In this episode of Balancing the Christian Life, we talk about the Colossians track and the Balancing the Christian Life lecture series with Steve Wolfgang. Welcome to Balancing the Christian Life. I'm Dr. Kenny Embry. We'll talk about being better Christians and people in the digital age. Let's go. On Tuesday nights, I used to have a spiritual discussion with people in my private Facebook group. The conversations were always fun, and I got a lot out of them. I didn't want them to be a Bible class. I wanted an environment where any topic was fair and any crazy ideas could be entertained. Frankly, it was also an opportunity to get to know the people who were listening to the podcast. Hal Hammonds has called podcasting speaking out into the void, and I understand what he's saying. Unlike one of my classes, I'm never quite sure when you think I've gone off the deep end. But at least once a week since I've started the podcast, I've had at least one person reach back out to me talking about how he was glad to hear someone talking about being a single parent, or thanking me for talking about doubts a Christian has, or what he can learn from adopting children. It was here I started thinking about pulling together people for something like a lecture series. I knew very well a major component of going to an event was getting to see the people you haven't seen for a while, or meeting new people. And I wanted to replicate that experience. I started digging around to see what digital solutions might help me approximate that social component. We also started thinking about what topics we could cover. I talk about digital discipleship a lot, so I knew I wanted that how-to series of talks regarding how to use digital tools to do God's work. I also wanted some simple, practical lessons like how to have a better prayer life, or how Christians should handle money. I also had a suspicion that spiritual leadership would be another good series of discussions to have. And then Steve Wolfgang asked me, what about just studying a book of the Bible? (laughs) Why hadn't I thought of that? The more Steve talked, the more he made sense. And at one point, I told Steve, I think he had just talked himself into a job. If you're not familiar with who Steve Wolfgang is, he's been married to his wife, Betty, for 53 years. He's been preaching for about 45 years, primarily in the suburban Chicago area and in parts of Kentucky. But he's also preached in Nashville and Atlanta. Steve has taught history at the University of Kentucky and also taught classes in Brisbane, Australia, and Vienna, Austria. He's hosted several religious talk radio programs, and he's done some reporting for NPR and CBS TV. He is a very impressive man. He has a deep and abiding interest in psalms, and is co-editing the recent hymnal, Psalms, Hymns, and Spiritual Songs. He is one of those guys that does a lot of things well. So I knew when he talked about doing Colossians for the lectureship, (laughs) it made all the sense in the world. So let me get Steve to talk about his plans for studying Colossians. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing well, Kenny. Thank you very much. Thank you. (laughs) I tell you what, I'm really excited about what you're doing with the Colossians track. This was something that was not on my radar at all, but you're the one who put it on my radar, and I couldn't be more grateful that you did. Uh, What was the thinking behind this track? 
Well, when we were discussing it, going through some of the uh, brainstorming sessions to plan it, I thought it would just be a shame to do a, a lectureship for Christians and not have a specifically biblical track on there. So as <laughs> yeah. important as it is to do, you know, how do you get out there in the marketplace digitally and what are some clues to do that and what not to do and mm-hmm. all of the really cool things you're going to be talking about, I thought, man, we want to have at least one track that just takes the Bible and does a little exposition. And so yeah, that was cool. the the sort of genesis of it, if you will. I, I have looked over your shoulder. I have seen some of the people that, that you've that you've got planned. Why don't you tell me, who do you have planned for this track, Steve? Well, we've got four uh, four chapters, of course, in Colossians. Yeah. Uh, let me back up. Can we talk a little bit about uh, why uh, there's maybe a continuation of your first question before we get into Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, One of the questions that you posed in the sort of prescript was, uh, how did this come to be or why did I choose it? Actually, because I think it's a neglected book. A lot of people know Ephesians and they're aware that Colossians is in many ways parallel to that. Yeah. Uh, But of course, there's a chunk in Colossians 2 that is known commonly as the Colossian problem or the Colossian heresy Nobody really knows what it is, although there are some candidates, uh, you know, was it Gnosticism? Was it Judaism? What was it? And so that'll get thoroughly unpacked. But I don't want it to be known for the problem. I mean, it also has this very cool Christ hymn in the first chapter, one of the few embedded hymns that we actually have in the text of the New Testament. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm uh, interested in hymns as a co-editor of a hymnal, and yeah. um, there's all of that. And then uh, there's some details in the last chapter. Uh, there's a great discussion of baptism as a kind of circumcision, and in the sense that the, even the Old Testament talks about the circumcision of the heart, that God wants our heart, not just the outward action. So all kinds of really really neat biblical stuff in here. But to be totally honest about it, and this kind of gets me to your second question, as we were planning it, I thought, let's do something that's easy. I mean, I've I've organized enough, uh, you know, lectureships and gatherings like this to know how many things can go awry as you get close to it. And I thought, let's not throw something really complicated into the mix. Right. And by, by easy, I don't mean that this is an easy book, but I had just been on a lectureship that Jeff Smelser, who's one of our speakers, Jeff preaches yeah. it in the Philadelphia area in a congregation my aunt and uncle actually helped to start decades ago. And he does this uh, extant two-day study uh, for young preachers all up and down, or older ones for that matter, all up uh-huh. and down the East Coast. And we did this last year. We moved it to Elmira, New York, in upstate New York in the Finger Lakes region where Joe works. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting side story has bought a convent that was about the Roman Catholic convent that was about to go out of business. And so right. they had this really neat grounds to have a convention, if you will. And they do uh, summer camps and all kinds of stuff. So we went up there and it was on Colossians. So our, actually, the whole thing was on Ephesians. But Jeff assigned me to do Colossians. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got into it. And Jeff had a reason for doing that. So he's going to be our chapter two speaker. But that's sort of how this got started is let's do something that, uh, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel on so that we have fewer complications going into this. And then, you know, next year, if you want to do this again, we've got a year ahead to plan instead of just six or seven months. And we'll tackle, maybe we'll do an Old Testament book, you know, Psalms or Deuteronomy, Jesus' favorite book or, or whatever. But that's how Colossians came to be. 
So to your question of who's speaking, I just reached out to guys that that I have known and am kind of comfortable working with, uh, some of which uh, more or less. Uh, So Nathan Ward from down there at Florida College is has just done the chapter in the the pen of Paul is a little book that's put out that summarizes each New Testament book. So I've said, why don't you take a, an hour, 45 minutes, whatever you want, and record a track on what's the background of Colossians and so forth. Um, and then Andrew Dow, who's a very good young preacher in Texas, uh, just on the FC lectures and has been on the truth lectures too. That's kind of how I know him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to do chapter one. Jeff's going to tackle chapter two and the problem or the heresy or whatever. Right. Although I'm sure he'll say other things. And then uh, B.J. Sipe, who's a young preacher at, now at Danville, Kentucky, where I was for 30 years and was an elder there as well as yeah. preaching. And I was really happy to see him move there. So he's going to do chapter three. And then uh, chapter four will be by Bruce Reeves, who's in Arkansas. And I've worked with him before. So I was kind of pulling out of my comfort zone of people that I know uh, from kind of different orbits. And I think we have a really good mix of, let me tell you one other thing. I've also asked uh, Lauren Bassford, Mm -hmm. uh, who's just done a, a, a class workbook on Colossians for Women, to do a track kind of featuring that, what what's in Colossians that women would ask questions about that men might not think to ask, or right. passages that resonate with uh, with the distaff side of things that sometimes, frankly, we guys don't pay attention to things that our wives and our sisters uh, and and daughters uh, are are paying attention to. So there's that, and then um, we did an interesting session that Coulter Wickerham. Uh, organized at the FC lectures this year, where we took what we he, we asked, what are the lectureship speakers reading, and mm-hmm. kind of took the bibliography and talked about what are some of the sources. So, uh, kind of rambling around the back of my head is I'd like to do a session on that. Um, I did an extensive bibliography for Jeff's uh, lectureship last mm-hmm. year, and I'll circulate that and just we'll record a session where. Everybody's kind of talks about what, you know, what were the best sources? What are the best commentaries or what are the best background materials for Colossians archaeologically? What's what's going on there? So we got all kinds of things. And I think it's a really neat lineup of speakers that are young and old. I mean, we've got some young guys. And then, of course, I'm the oldest, uh, but we're <laughs> sort of sort of in every decade from the 20s on up uh, right. and uh, a good geographic mix of guys from, you know, Philadelphia, Chicago area, all the way to Texas, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky. Um, uh, so there's uh, Tennessee there. Uh, there's a, a good geographic mix as well. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it came to be and who's on it. So what else would you like to know? <laughs> Is there somebody that you're particularly excited about listening to? Yeah, I want to hear Lauren. I mean, I, I just think we we pay uh, less attention to what women, how women interact with the biblical text. Right. And as preachers, that ought to be something that's on our mind. And even as, you know, not non-preachers, elders, whatever, uh, we ought to be paying more attention to how the scripture speaks to um, our, our sisters and daughters and mothers and wives and so forth. So mm-hmm. I'm uh, curious about that. I think we've got, I, I couldn't pick a favorite actually of, of the, the other speakers. I think it's a really strong lineup and, uh, I, I wouldn't pretend to be, to show favoritism to anybody. <laughs> oh, I understand. As you know, this is very much an experiment. I'm, I'm kind of sure. excited about it. If we're able to pull this off, Steve, what do you think we'll learn at the end of it? 
Well, I hope we come away with a better understanding of what the Holy Spirit is saying to first century Christians. I mean, that's yeah. a pretty obvious point. We read the Bible with what Everett Ferguson calls second century eyes. We're all second century Christians in one sense. That is, we, we are not first century Christians. We don't live in that environment. We don't right. live in that culture. And so we all have to try to figure out, you know, first of all, what, what did this mean to the people who first received this letter? Right. And it was intended to be a circular letter, as as others of Paul's are. They're instruct you know, cause this to be read elsewhere, okay. as as he says in other places as well. So um I hope we'll get a sense for how how did the letter come to be, why was it written, what was the occasion for doing that? And then uh, focus, as I said earlier, not only on the problem or what was the issue there, um, but what are some of the strengths? And, of course, the, the problem is, stated in general terms, and Paul's very explicit about this, is you're not holding fast to the head who is Christ. You've let other concerns, other people, other things, other philosophies, other whatever, get between you and the Lord. And so I, I hope that we'll come away with a renewed focus that, you know, we, we in every century, whatever century we live in, whatever culture we are in, we have to hold fast to the head who is Jesus Christ. That's, to me, the big bullet point of, of this letter. So uh, I hope we'll have plenty of people who want to log on. And it'll be really interesting to see, I think, and I'll, I'll just go out on a limb here and say, you know, sometimes when you hold a, a church will hold a, quote, gospel meeting or a lectureship, and you don't get the kind of attendance that you want. Mm-hmm. I know in some places, uh, gospel meetings are kind of passe, and people don't support them, or they don't attend. You do a singing, and man, you'll pack the you'll pack the building full, and they'll ring the rafters down. Um, so I'm kind of curious as to how well this track will hold up compared to some of the other, quote, practical tracks that are that are all necessary. <laughs> I, I, I really don't have a good sense for whether this will go gangbusters and, and outdraw everybody else, which I kind of hope it will, uh, all yeah. due respect to your other tracks, no, or whether, whether people who are digitally oriented will just go, meh, don't, yeah. you know, not interested. I don't know. Uh, we'll find out. So as you say, this is, this is very experimental. It absolutely is. You were the guy that asked me what I was thinking about this, and I told you that I very much see this as a proof of concept yeah. to see if this is if this is something that's even viable. So I I will be interested to see how all this works out. Yeah. Thank you for doing this, Steve. I really appreciate you being involved in this. You obviously bring a gravitas to this, but but also I appreciate your work on this. I think this is something that is worthwhile, even if it fails miserably. I, I think this is something that is worth trying. So I, I really I want to thank you for that. Well, back at you. I mean, thank you for organizing. I think this is a very interesting idea. It's just very cool that you know you're you're helping the rest of us who are older and certainly not wiser in, in the ways of digital matters to find our way in a, in a brave new world. And I appreciate that. And I do not by any means want to, uh, you know, denigrate or say all these other things are less important, but the biblical text has got to be front and center of what I we agree. do. So I appreciate the opportunity that you're giving us. <laughs> Steve is a very good guy. I'm thrilled to have him helping out with this. Thanks again, Steve. As I've been working on this, frankly, I've been blown away with all the support. I thought this would be a harebrained idea, but I have had so many 
offered help promote it, participate in it, and attend it. I wanted to answer a few questions I've been getting. First, if you looked at the sign-up page, you'll notice there are three different levels. The first level is to get access to the videos and is the least expensive level. Let me be clear, I have no interest in being the video police. But for people at that level, I am simply assuring you, you will have access to the videos whenever you want them. By the way, that is also part of the second and third levels as well. So at whatever level you get in at, you will have access to the videos. The second level is to participate in the live sessions. This is where you'll have access to Whova, the social component. So you'll have discussion boards, direct messaging, an opportunity to meet others. Consider this the community portion of the lectureship. The third tier includes everything at the second tier, but with a few extra items. Specifically, I've got a coffee mug I'd always planned to release to the Patreon members, so that will be included. But I also wanted to include some of the books from some of the authors speaking at the event. I've been talking with Mark Roberts about his Romans book, Adam Shanks about his book on Christian finances, and a few other conversations. So at that tier, you get the live sessions, a few books I think you would enjoy, and the coffee mug. So that's what the different levels are. My dad asked, is this just a Zoom thing? In one way, yes. The video portion of this will be on Zoom, but you'll never know it. Whova basically allows you to click on parts of an agenda and it will take you to those sessions. Zoom is the video platform that's being used, but you just click on what you want to go to and it will take you there. But talking with others, again, will be done through Whova, which is a website, a phone app, and a way to socialize. I used this software for a conference I went to about a year ago and was thoroughly impressed. It also wasn't cheap software and is the primary reason I need to charge for people who attend. So why am I charging at all? A couple people have asked that. I don't mind saying I have gone back and forth on this very question. I've had several people tell me point blank, Christians do not pay for things like this and are not likely to start now. Gospel meetings are free. Shouldn't this be as well? I'm not going to deny there is a profit motive behind part of this, but it's not the primary motivator. If you're anything like me, I tend to pay attention to things that cost me something. I've signed up for dozens of free webinars and simply forgotten about them and don't attend. I had good intentions, but either because I was forgetful or because I had something else that conflicted, I figured out something else was just more important. So the thing I once thought was important enough to sign up for became just another one of those things I meant to do, but didn't. However, whenever I sign up for an event and then have to do something, like pay or prepare or read something, I almost always participate. Because it cost me money or reading a book or spending some time, I feel more invested. So when the time comes to be a part of that thing, 
I usually am. This is a crazy idea. But if I get 200 people paid to attend, but don't show up, I would consider this a failure. This is an event that needs a community to come together. For most of us, I think paying about a dollar a session makes sense. It's enough to get my attention, but not too much to be a true hindrance. However, if that is a real problem, please let me know. If that is your biggest hurdle, and you commit to me you will attend, I commit to you to make this happen for you. Success is not a dollar amount for me. Success is a bunch of people coming together to meet one another, learn something new, and meet more people interested in balancing their Christian lives. At the end of this interview, Steve asked me if this is something I plan to do next year as well. Let me go on record with this now. It is my intention to have this go as long as I can. I see this very much as a first year when we start figuring out how to connect Christians in a positive way. The biggest hurdle for us will be showing people what this looks like. I'm focusing on starting something. (laughs) This is the hardest part. There are more unanswered questions, more unknowns, and more experimentation. In August, we'll have answers to more questions. We'll know what might change and what we hope stays the same. But this is very much a beginning. The nature of this, with the four distinct tracks, makes sense to me now. The track on digital discipleship and how churches and Christians can practically use digital tools to be more purposeful in helping spread Christianity and build one another up. The track on practical Christianity, where we talk about the parts that we all need help with or connect with others who are interested in adoption or getting better with finances or improving our prayer lives. The third track, where we learn what it means to be a true spiritual leader where we are. And the fourth track, where we learn something more about the book of Colossians and how we can use it to be better. Success for me is helping make better Christians and people in the digital age. And I pray this is successful. So you know, I have two weeks left of my academic year, and then I will devote much more time to pulling this together. If you have someone interested in the lecture series with questions, just let me know. I'll be happy to answer as best I can. I think this has some good potential to both be good and do good for others. As for the good thing I'm thinking about, I'm grateful for not being responsible for outcomes. I was talking with some college students about the parable of the talents, and we talked about how God simply wanted the servants to do something. But God would have to sort out 
how it worked, and if it worked. Throughout this entire process, I've been having a wonderful but odd feeling about this entire thing. I recognize this is a huge risk, but I am not fearful, but excited about the good that can be done. I hope this is something that helps us all get closer to God. Next time on the program, I plan to release my conversation with David Osteen about love. It was a wonderful conversation. And I know you'll enjoy getting to know David (laughs) as much as I did. So until next time, let's be good and do good.